0: i'm rebecca pete and i'm rebecca cochran and And welcome welcome to woven where we strive to be christians living in the world with intention and our prayer is that to paraphrase mary zimmer the christ who knew mary and martha would show us the way of balance Thanks thanks for listening
1: Okay, welcome back, everyone. We are in the middle of our friendship series, and this is our second episode of our friendship series, and we've been um, wanting to do a series on friendship on woven, but we've never done it before, and yeah. thought it was a good fit for February. Yes. And st- instead of talking about... Valentine's Day and romantic love, we decided we'd talk about
0: Valentine's Day. We said, uh, bring my parks and rec fans
1: (laughs) up. We would talk friendship this month. So that's what we've been doing. And if you listened last week, we kind of talked about our own journeys and our Mm -hmm. own struggles and, um, wonderful things about our own journeys and friendship and our stories and and where we see um, God's um, hand in our friendships. And this week we have on Kim Weir, who just wrote a book called The Art of Friendship, um, Creating and Keeping Relationships That Matter. And we have her on today to talk to us about the art of friendship and why we believe God calls us into friendship. And so, Kim, welcome to Woven. And would you do a little introduction of yourself, where you live, kids? What you do for a living, all that kind of stuff.
2: Oh, gee, my whole life in a nutshell. <laughs> yes. Rebecca, <laughs> squared for having me. It's fun <laughs> to talk to you guys. So, in a nutshell, uh, you know, I spent most of my life being Linda's daughter, and then I was Tony's wife, and then I was my four kids' mother. And somewhere in there, I tried to carve out, you know, an identity and a purpose. I think, like so many women, uh, just lots of multiple hats. So, in the midst of that, I've got. Four adult kids now, um, who are all out there financially providing for
0: themselves. That's great. so. If that's all I
2: accomplish in the world. I'm <laughs> thinking that's pretty good. Um, I've got a couple of kids married, and four grandgirls that are all under the age of four, and so that is one side of life on the. The ministry side, I, um, I just love encouraging people. I love talking about God's word because it's the greatest encouragement, has been for me transformative in my life. And it holds the keys, the secrets to abundant living. And so I think there's so many of us that just look at life and go, wow, is this all there is? And so it's such a delight for me to get to, to say, no, that's not all there is, there's so much more. And they'll look at it from different angles. So I host talk radio, live talk radio, um, in the Houston market, which is so much fun because I get to do what you do. I get to talk with um, fabulous experts and authors and uh, people from all over the country about abundant living in all different areas. Uh, I've written a humor column in the newspaper for 23 years. So there's not much the world doesn't know about my life. <laughs> Usually it's my failures that have the most interesting things to write about. Um, I love to travel and speak to women's groups to encourage. That's a lot of fun for me. I'm a Bible teacher, um, so I lead women's ministry in our local church and organize and teach Bible studies here and have had the chance to get to write some Bible studies and and then author, you know, just getting to write books. And I think one of the things that I'm most passionate about now is something that's just been a thread of both victory and defeat my whole life, and that's friendships, you know? Yeah. so. Uh, as I dug into it and tried to discover what abundant life looks like in the context of friendships. There's so much good wisdom to share from God's word that has really changed my life and my friendships that I was excited to get to share that with other people.
1: Yeah. So, kind of talk about that a little bit more about your journey of friendship in your life. And um, you, you're just a step ahead of us in life. You know, we have like elementary, nice way to say you're old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just uh, having, we have elementary age kids and your kids are le have left the nest. Now you you have grandkids and they're getting married and all of that stuff. So like the next step in life. And so in your life and in your journey, How has God brought you through that in friendships that that caused you to think, you know what? I should write a book encouraging women on the art of friendship.
0: Oh,
2: I had nothing to write about until I really wrestled with how to resolve some of the dysfunction in my own friend life. So uh, growing up, our family moved every two years. Uh, So I was never in a school more than two years. And several people have asked me over the years, oh, you must have been in the military. No, no. We just were weird. Uh, there was always a reason for us to move. Well, as a kid, I, I don't look back and go, oh, that was so hard. But I look back now and realize so many things that I went through as a kid have affected the way I see friendship. So for instance, I never had to work at keeping friends because yeah. I never was in a place long enough to develop that skill. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. It took me almost a whole two years just to make friends. Yeah. And just when I finally got off the lonely bench... You know the 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 misfit table in the lunchroom, and actually found two or three friends. It was time to move again. Mm, yeah, and so you know, I just had some really unhealthy patterns in my brain. I was constantly you know feeling insecure as a kid. Who wants to be my friend? They all have friends. Kids can be mean. I still have exact words set in my head. You know, from elementary and junior high, and they echo. So bringing all that into adulthood just made me an awkward. Friend. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, do they want to be my friend? No, they they don't. Mm -hmm. Do they? Don't. Mm -hmm. You know, and so fits and starts. And I think I've always been better with a very small number of friends. Um, And so just all of that leading into um, getting to be a young adult, I think one of the things that helped me a lot was just enjoying seasons of life with other people who are going through the same. You two are friends and you share so many things in common, like your kids are both being raised up. So I had a lot of friends that their kids were my kids age. And, you know, you kind of cling together for survival to start with, you know. And um, but as time went on, I got busier, my kids got busier, I withdrew, I found myself in a spot where I hadn't kept up any relationships. So, you know, I think we all have those stories and they all play into how we friend people for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. And I finally got to a place where I had to look up and go, wow, I am alone in this life. I don't know what happened to the few friends I had. I don't know how to renew those friendships. Um, And sort of that come to Jesus moment, made me step back and go, there's got to be
0: more to friendships than what I've made it. And it's
2: been that journey that's worked its
0: way into this resource. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, what you said about feeling like insecure and like people don't really want to be your friend. I mean, I don't think that stops in elementary school. I think that continues. And even now as adults, what do you think, um, that feeling of being rejected and then leading to that unworthiness, like how does that impact our friendships? And why do you think that's so prevalent?
2: When we are um, feeling insecure for a zillion different reasons, I mean, I couldn't even name them all because we're so complex, that little stew that's inside of our head. we're always looking on the outside for someone to make it better. Mm-hmm. So if i don't feel valued, then i want my friend to make me feel valued. And i start becoming needier than i need to be, and i start putting expectations on that relationship that are unreasonable. That no one is ever going to fill the void of our insecurity, our lack of value. That can only be found in one place, and that is what god says about us. So, you know, a good place to start a conversation about you know, how do we develop healthy friendships is to start by saying, look, one of the places we have to, to focus first is how we friend ourselves. Mm-hmm. What do you think about yourself? I mean, we, we all do. You're right. We all do have a voice that plays in our head. Mm-hmm. And it is a combination of the fears of our life, the scars from our past. And that tape, that echo plays in our head all the time saying, you know what, if you were, if they really knew the real you, they'd never want to be your friends. So you better just hide who you are. Or, you know, the they're gonna like somebody better than me, so I better work harder you know, at impressing Mm -hmm. them or whatever it is that the voice is saying, she's always in there. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the bad news, but here's the good news. While that voice might be some mean kid from your past, it might be a mother who was overly critical, it could be somebody who damaged you as a friend, that voice couldn't sound like a lot of different people. The good news is, it maybe was them at one time But now that voice is you. Mm -hmm. You're the one playing that track. So this is great news because you can actually stop that voice. It's not like somebody's actually coming behind you and dogging you, you know, and talking smack every time you do something. So the good news is you actually have control over that, but you have to begin to replace that broken tape with truth. And Mm -hmm. there's no way to do that outside of what does God say about me? Yeah. And so taking... Uh, the opportunity to get into God's Word, to look to see what he says, to ponder it deeply, to think about it. Um, When he says, whoever gets sense loves his own soul, that's out of Proverbs. He means that. If you want to have sense, if you want to be able to see the world rightly and operate in wisdom rather than emotion or insecurity, you have to love your own soul, Yes. There's nothing wrong with loving your own soul. God loves your soul. Mm-hmm. And so there are so many ways to look into scripture and say, Lord, show me what's true. Don't overinflate me. Don't help me think more highly of myself than I ought, but nor should I think more lowly. I need to think rightly. And when I do, when I'm able to understand my value and that I have a friend who truly loves me, no matter what, and we'll, we'll talk about God's friendship in a minute, but when I really get it, I stop needing other people to fill me up that
0: way and that's the start of beginning healthy friendships and I think it's important too to remember that those like negative voices are serving something in us so we have to say like what is it doing for me that I'm constantly saying like oh I'm it's protection you're trying to protect yourself from vulnerability because entering a friendship is super vulnerable and scary Usually for most of us. And so if you can say it before the other person says it about yourself, then that's like this like false protection thing, which I think is what a lot of us are doing. And I think it's just helpful to, I think whenever we have like an unhelpful tape or like an ultimately unhelpful tape in our head, we have to think like, what purpose is that serving? Mm
1: -hmm. And how
0: can I give that to the Lord? Like, what am I trying to do with that? constant self-criticism. I'm trying to protect myself. Like I said it first and you can't point it out if I said it first, you know? Yeah. yeah. We are super, super complex creatures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are so
2: weird. It's just not even funny. <laughs> um, I will say this about that voice in your head. Uh, there are people who say that, you know, that that kind of self-criticism is, is, can be super healthy. Only if you see it and deal with why you're criticizing yourself. There's a difference between Conviction
1: mm-hmm.
2: and self criticism. God never shames us to move us forward. Mm-hmm. Yes, he reveals places where we need to be more like him. He convicts us when we wander into sin, if we have not, you know, squelched him so much that we're not even listening anymore. So, conviction here's how you know the difference between conviction and self criticism one will shame you. And the other will draw you toward godliness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, of course, listen to the Holy Spirit. But that self-criticism, to get rid of it, you may need to do exactly what you said. You may need to self-analyze. Where did this come from? Why do I feel this way? And why am I holding onto it like it's a shield? Mm -hmm. That's healthy analysis. But the voice itself, if it shames you, it's not from God because Mm -hmm. that is not the way he works.
1: So you talk a lot in the book about um, the calling of our friendships um and how we're called into friendship i, I think most of us will agree yes and um, if i'm married i'm called to be a mom um if i if we have kids are called to be a wife if we have kids we're called to be a mom um we we have parents we're called to be you know good um you know children to our parents. Um, The Bible talks about that, you know, all these other callings. If if we have, if we're called into the ministry or if we're called into a certain career or whatever, but I think we, we don't really put friendship in that bucket. We think, oh, that it's a nice addition to our lives, Mm -hmm. but we don't see it as a calling from God. Um, But you talk a lot about that in your book. So what do you think is the godly calling of friendships?
2: So I for me, this was one of the transformative things. We do think about friendship op- often as optional. Yeah. When I have time, if I, if I have friends, great, but I don't have to have them. And yeah. we can actually make a truce with sort of that place of loneliness. Okay. I, I've got so many other things in my life. Who am I to be greedy if I don't have friends? Yeah. But, but the reason that we long for it, even when we tell ourselves we, we could live with it, we, we literally long for it. We crave these friendships that are significant. There's a reason for it. And it's because. It literally is part of our DNA. So if you back all the way up to the story of creation, right? God spends six days and he makes millions and millions and millions of kinds of creation. Everything from ladybugs to galaxies. Um, And at the end of that process, he adds in this intricate, unique creation that is not like anything else he's made. He makes man. And then of all of the things that he has made, think about aardbarks and lice and (laughs) leeches and roaches of all those things. He only says one of them is not good. I'm like, really? Because God, I can tell you the big old Texas roaches are not good. But no, (laughs) the only thing he says is not good is man being alone. Mm. And the reason it's not good is because God himself in creating him said, let us make man in our image. And then he made a solitary man. And yet there's a clue to why it wasn't good right there. God himself is in an us relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Don't ask me to explain it because there are, you know, volumes of commentaries that cannot explain (laughs) the Trinity. But God has made it clear, however he does it, that he is One God with three personalities that put him in a relationship as an us. And he created us in his image. So to be alone is not in his image. Instead, he made an addition. He made a helper, someone to come alongside so that there would be an us. Now, it isn't just about the marriage relationships. That is one way to work out what us looks like. But there are so many ways that mm-hmm. us works itself into our relationships. And one of those is in friendship. And I'll tell you, I know that. <laughs> now I jump all the way ahead to the New Testament. And Jesus is walking with his companions that he has, he has collected, these close companions where he said, follow me, follow me, follow me. And they've responded. And now you get this little herd going around following Jesus and he begins to teach them something that God had begun to reveal through the thousands of years of the Old Testament. Um, God had said that he, he was a friend of Abraham, but we, we didn't know what that meant. What does that mean? Um, and then Jesus explains it very clearly. And we know that Jesus is the exact representation of God, right? So this is what he says. And this is the key, in my opinion, to how friendship should look in our lives. So Jesus is talking to his friends and he tells them, this is my command, love each other as I have loved you. Okay, so whatever he's about to say next, this is what we're supposed to repeat. And then he says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command, I no longer call you servants. So you've been following me around, calling me master. And he says, now, instead, I call you friends because everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. This is my command now, go love each other. Okay, so on the surface, I think we've heard some of those phrases lots of times, but ultimately this is what he's saying. I'm your friend and here's how you know I'm your friend. Number one, I'm willing to lay down my life for you. Number two, I'm transparent. I tell you things that my father's told me that I don't tell anybody else. And three, I chose you before you chose me. Mm -hmm. And he says, that is what a friend is. And then he says, now go do that with other people. So it's not only a calling because we're created for it to be in relationship, but then he says explicitly, go friend the way I have friended. It is a spiritual discipline as much as any other spiritual discipline, even if we don't recognize it under with those terms. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, and That explains sure. why we crave it so much. For yeah. sure, yeah. But so- doesn't that transform and give this incredible high calling, this amazing purpose? To what otherwise is just somebody to go on a girl trip with. I mean, yeah. it elevates friendship to such a significant level um, that it makes us want to say, Yeah, I, I really want to do this right because it shows the rest of the world something about God in the same yeah. way that marriage does. So, marriage shows the world what Christ and his church are like in relationship. Yeah. Fathering shows the world something about good fathering, something about who God is as father and friendship shows the world a picture of what God is like as our friend. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you get more significant than
1: that. Yeah. So let's, let's go into that a little bit, what you said about like the girls trips and stuff. So let's, How does this compare to like the world, the the cultural view of friendship, especially we're we're talking here because we said this in our last where we're kind of focusing. There's lots of different kinds of friendships. We're kind of focusing here on female, female like Mm -hmm. friendships as adults. We're not talking about kids. We're not we're not talking about male, female friendships or other kinds of friendships. We're talking about female to female friendships. So what does female friendships look like? Um, culturally and in the world versus what you're saying here like how do they compare and how can we push past those cultural views of friendship into this deeper godly friendship that we're talking about
2: Well, so one of the first things I wanna say is, it is good because it's narrow, and we wanna talk about what's gonna affect us and how we apply that. But the interesting thing is, everything that I'm sharing that I pulled out of what God has revealed, this applies to everybody. Men, children, which is kind of cool. So, you know, if if you're listening and you're thinking, wow, uh, my teenage daughter is really struggling with relationships. Well, (laughs) everything we learned as adults, we did because we had broken relationships as a kid. exactly, yeah. um, But so I say that the the core, Of really all of our relationships because it's how we are. We act like we're still the only one ever created, right? (laughs) I think it may be a throwback to the fact that there was a single person to begin with is somehow we think the whole world revolves around us because it Mm -hmm. did around Adam for like, you know, a nanosecond. But somehow I think that's still in our DNA too. Mm -hmm. I think the whole concept behind our struggles is that we're very me-centric, you know, what am I gonna get out of my friendships? I need somebody to be transparent with. I need somebody to hang out with. I need somebody to encourage me. And so it's very focused on us. Uh, Coca-Cola uh, did a focus group. They were trying to figure out how to better um, position their product in the market. And so they, they wanted to find out what it is women want out of relationships because they were gonna you know, emotionally tie their product to relationships. And really it verifies that whole idea. Women want somebody who will just accept them as they are, exactly as they are, and, um, you know, not try to change them. They wanted women who would keep their secrets, but would tell other people's secrets to them. You know, so there were all these things that revolved around who, what they wanted and what they needed. No place in there did it say, I want someone who needs to be encouraged. I want to be a contributor to my friend's life in such a way that they, you know, achieve their own goals more, whatever, even if you said it in a secular way. There was none of that. And I think it just speaks to this desire that we have to put ourselves at the center of the universe, even in friendships. I mean, I did that when I got married, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I went to the altar and, and in my mind, because really the world had never been about me. I'm thinking, finally, this is going to be all about me. He's going to love me. He's going to cherish me. He's going to honor me. This is going to be awesome. And it didn't take me long to figure out that is not what marriage is about. <laughs> <laughs> like on the honeymoon, it's like, oh, wait a minute here. <laughs> uh, and I think the, the, a lot of the struggles that we have with our friendships are because We're shocked that it's not about me. We're offended. We're hurt by our friends. You know, we're worried that they didn't meet our needs, Mm -hmm. you know, in some way. They weren't sensitive. They weren't available. I I think that's at the heart of the the dysfunction of our relationships as it is in so much in life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. So we, we know that we have a call to develop good friendships. And some of us, some people listening might think, okay, well, I do have... A really core group of friends and I and I want to go deeper with them. And then there are some people that are sitting in that I feel lonely pocket and I don't know how to make friends. So I think those are two different um, categories of people. So I'd like to address both of those, but let let's go with the the pocket of people first who who feel like they have good close friends, but they don't feel like maybe that they're being a good friend or that their friends are being good <laughs> friends or whatever. We, you know, uh, you know, obviously we need to look to ourselves first, but like, how can we deepen the relationships we already have from this context? Mm-hmm.
2: So there are a couple things that come to mind. Um, one of those is that when we are satisfied and we feel like we have a good number of friends, one of the first reactions that we have is then to pull in yeah. and get mm-hmm. this idea, my friend boat is full. <laughs> my friend boat's full. Uh, I actually did a, a survey at a women's ministry event and asked, you know, where what's your status on friendship? This was several years ago. Um, do you feel like you need friends? You you have enough friends? You, you just need deeper friends? I was surprised at how many people said, please don't give me any more friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other words, my friend boat is full. And the interesting thing is m- uh, many of those were, were leaders. They were women's ministry leaders or leaders in other capacities. Here are women who had so much to give to other people and they're saying, no, my friend boat's full. So I think number one is to recognize that if we love the way God says to love, your friend boat won't ever be full. And we'll talk about what that could look like in a few minutes, but just to keep that in the back of your brain too, is that your friend boat can't be full. It's like the ark. There's room for everybody. <laughs> uh, and we'll we'll talk. And that might feel overwhelming. But I think the reason it can be overwhelming is because we have a concept of what a friend must require of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there are so many different things that we can give to a friend. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. In fact, it shouldn't be all or nothing. Yeah. If it's all, we're expecting too much of our friend. If it's nothing then we are overloaded and thinking of friendship as disposable or optional. Um, So that's the the first thing. Um, I think the other thing is if you have a lot of friendships, in other words, you know a lot of people. And I think maybe that's what you're saying. If you know a lot of people, but you don't feel like those relationships are deep, then the issue is actually the same thing that the issue is going to be for people who don't have any friends at all and need to figure out where to start. So. We actually can kind of merge those two questions, I think. Um, And the answer lies not in sort of how do I culturally fit in better. Um, The answer lies in what Jesus said first. Love each other as I have loved you. Um, And interestingly enough, you know, the Greek language has five different words for love, right? Yeah. We have one. I love pizza. I love my mother. I love my dog. I love my husband. They're not all equal, but I love them all. <laughs> well,
0: pizza is by <laughs> far the top. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I heard you were making brownies earlier. I there. <laughs> um, the word Jesus chose, and he never did anything accidentally. I think we can agree with that. He chose the word for love that's agape, and this is a divine love in nature. It is the kind of love that God says he has for us, okay? So he says, love each other as I have loved you. Now, he could have said, like phileo, like what we generally think of as brotherly love. He could have said, brotherly love each other as I agape divine love you, thinking, oh, well, you're human. You can't do what I do, but he didn't. He said, agape love each other as I agape love you, Now, this is great because then he's going to make sure that recorded in his word is an actual guide to agape love. So we can consider agape love in this context, friend love, because he's giving an explanation of this friend love um, right here in this context. So if you jump over to First Corinthians 13, what we consider the love chapter, right? You hear it at weddings all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, if it were meant for a romantic context, it would have said eros, Yeah, And no place in there does it say arrows, or does it say uh, the kind of friend that's for family? It doesn't say um, uh, the friend love. It, It specifically says agape all the way through it. So here we go, right? Now we make a connection. Friend love the way I friend love. Jump over here, and here's a definition of what friend love looks like. It is love in action. And if you think about the way God loved us, did he ever just have feelings for us? He had actions for us to express his love. So First Corinthians 13, it is the guide to how to begin relationships that reflect that. Okay, be patient. So if you're, if you have a lot of relationships, then you kind of overlay this to those relationships and say, how am I doing here? Uh, Kim, am I patient with Carol? Kim, am I kind to Carol in the last encounter that I had or in whatever situation I faced? Kim, do I envy Carol? Hmm. Kim... Do I boast to Carol to try to impress her? Um, Am I proud? Uh, Do I dishonor her by talking about her to other people? Am I self-seeking? Is it all about what Carol can give me? Or do I turn that around? Am I easily angered? Am I offended when she does something the way I wouldn't do it and (laughs) it irritates me? Hello, that's most of our disagreements. (laughs) Am I keeping a record of wrong in the back of my head with Carol? Do I know all the things that she's ever done that have offended me? Um, Instead, do I rejoice with truth with Carol? Am I willing to be truthful to her even if it means that it's going to put a strain on our relationship? Am I willing to let her be truthful with me and rejoice that she was honest? Do I protect Carol? Am I fierce for her? Even if I think that she's wrong, would I still guard her reputation as she corrects course? Do I trust her? That's transparency. Will I tell her things and entrust that to her? Do I hope in her? And am I willing to let my relationship with Carol persevere, even through the ebbs and flows, which every relationship is going to have, because love never fails. Okay, that is taking that guidebook to agape friend love, all of which Jesus demonstrated to us in action and saying, I'm going to let that be my guide. And when I get out of sight of those parameters, those guardrails, then I've moved into not the kind of love. That demonstrates the kind of love Jesus has for his friends. And it sounds simple. It's really hard. <laughs> I'll just say, I'll tell you because yeah. we're selfish, but there's the, if you don't know where to start. This is where to start. Pick a person and try to demonstrate each of those in your relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's it. That's it in a nutshell for guiding through. I will say this. And when it comes to, you know, I don't really know where to start. I think some of us look at uh, a circle and we think. I want in that circle. Yeah, I want to be their friend. Mm-hmm. I look how much fun they're having, and they always do neat things. And I feel rejected, and I've made an overture or two, and it hasn't been reciprocated. And I, and now I feel really rejected. Mm-hmm. So we have a choice in that case, because I'm just going to tell you, I have been there, right? And and still there are little groups. That I'm like, those are awesome people. How do I get in? Yeah, I obsess about that and remain dejected and alone, or I can say, Lord. Clearly, there are other people that feel this way. Turn my eyes towards somebody outside of that group that I could initiate with, Mm -hmm. believing that God's going to bless that relationship. There are other people who need us. And so instead of looking at that relationship, that circle, and just being sad and rejected, turn your eyes out. And initiate with someone else and trust that God is gonna do something beautiful with that. Because I think sometimes we do just derail ourselves by not getting, it's like the apple on the tree, right? You know, you probably passed it every day until she finally self-destructed by picking something that God said, move on, nothing to see here, move on, move on. And she didn't, and it led to destruction. And there are a lot of ways we can do that and we can self-sabotage in loneliness the same
1: way.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So going back to what you said about the friend boat, I and talking about feeling overwhelmed because that can feel especially if we have people listening who you know have several small children and yeah. you know that they, their their husbands working all the time and maybe they have a part time job you know all the ebbs and flows of life and and this idea of like keeping like the door open to our friend boat like to our friend arc is can feel overwhelming. And um, I let's talk a little bit. You you talk about it in the book like. The chapter of the who's who's list, like that. there's different like levels of friendship. Can you talk about that a little bit more?
2: Yeah. So there's there's different levels of friendships. And even within that, there are three different categories of friends there. But yeah, so um, when when we're looking at the people who are already in our lives, it's healthy to. Acknowledge the relationship status for what it is. Yeah, I, I hope that each person can say, "I have at least one sort of inner circle friend." Mm-hmm. You know, think of all the people that were in Jesus's life, right? And even though he had twelve close friends, disciples that followed him, these within that context, he had three that he was really close to. Um, now you can't say that. Oh, how unfair was Jesus? Was he playing favorites? No, he was investing more in a few who would then later invest in others. And Mm -hmm. so there's nothing wrong with, because we can't invest equally to everybody in the friend boat, right? So we ought to have inner circle friends for a lot of reasons. One, if you're somebody's inner circle, that means you're feeding into them the encouragement, the hope, the wisdom, the time that they need. And here's the thing, God's so great. When we are willing to step back from that self-focus, and look outwardly instead and really make it our priority to think about what they need. Here's what God does abundantly beyond more than you could ask or imagine. He boomerangs it Mm -hmm. without you having to strive and claw to get what you need. It's such a winsome thing to give to people that way. It comes right back at you. It builds that kind of trust and significance so that they give to you as well. So I think it's such a freeing thing. It's not a, A thing where you're going to find yourself deprived. It is such freedom to say, God, I'm just going to give and love the way you did and trust you to make sure that what I need, when I need it, will come back to me. It really is so freeing, And that happens significantly within that inner circle. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are the people who you're most transparent with that you will share. They know how you feel before you tell them. Mm -hmm. And that happens because you have invested these other kinds of things. You've persevered, you've trusted, you've protected, you've been transparent. Um, You can't do that with everybody. Then there are close friends, people who want to know how you feel, but you might need to tell them. People who get a little less time, but who you're looking toward cultivating when you can. Um, Those are people who will show up for you, who will have your back. Uh, People who are trustworthy. They're shared friends. Um, A friend that you have because somebody else is a friend of theirs. So you wind up seeing each other more than you wouldn't really pursue, pursue each other. But Wow, the opportunity for those things to grow. In each one of these below inner circle, that's kind of what you're looking at. You're going, yeah, I actually have more potential than I thought I did. I'm not actually as alone in in the world as I might feel I am. And feelings are powerful. Um, There are casual friends, people that should your connection break like work, should you change jobs? You might not still be friends, but within the context of that, a committee you're on, uh, your kids' soccer teams that you see each other, a work environment. They're casual friends. You're yep. friendly with one another. Um, and then of course there are acquaintances. And and then I, in Texas, we would call that last category frenemies. You know, people <laughs> that yeah, kind of like sometimes and kind of hate sometimes. <laughs> I would just say that if you've got very many people in that category, you might look in the mirror because yeah. the problem yeah. is probably you. Because yeah. no yeah. place does God say a friend of me is actually a valid category. You need to work on that. But <laughs> <laughs> so within yeah. that context of all of those different people, you probably still, this is, and, and here's where I think we get to the heart of, but I can't be all things to all people. Right? Well, you shouldn't be. Um, everybody should have three different kind of friends within these groups. One of those is that you're actually giving more to them than they're giving to you. On the surface, if you don't recognize the value of this, you could just get resentful.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but everybody needs somebody that's a little further along who can encourage and mentor them, pour into them. Maybe a mom that's a little further along than you are or somebody that's the same age, but spiritually further along or further along in their marriage, whatever it is, further along you know, in their faith life. Um, don't expect them to give as much. This is a gift that we offer. On the flip side, think about your life. You have people in your life like that. Do you resent them because they give more to you? Probably not. (laughs) But the humility of saying, you know, I recognize that I'm going to receive more. I recognize that at this place in my life, you know, you are, are... Um, investing in me in ways I don't necessarily know that I can give back. Mm -hmm. There's a humility to that. Yeah. Such a value to that. I can't tell you the number of people in my life, uh, really, that have have impacted and changed the direction of my life in some ways. And then, of course, there's those balanced friends. We all need the ones that we give and they give. But I'll caution you on that. If you expect it to be 50-50 all of the time, you're going to be disappointed. Our lives are changing and in an ebb and flow too often for that. Sometimes I have to pull back because of family commitments or I'm struggling emotionally or my work life is taking whatever it is. And my friend should be able to recognize that and push in a little bit mm-hmm. yeah. uh, or or just be patient. And I should do the same thing. So it's really some 70, 30, 60, 40. You know, it kind of goes up and down. But it is a commitment, an equal commitment to each other
0: not necessarily equal time yeah Yeah. I think it goes back to what you were saying about Jesus being transparent like a lot of it just comes down to communication and saying like this is going instead of just sort of ghosting people or being like well she'll understand she knows I've got kids it's like no like you need to be like hey this is going on I love you I'm going to go over here for a minute, but I still love you. Like, you know, like that kind of thing. I think it can
1: just save so much hurt. Yeah. I think a lot of it's communication, um, and expectations. And, you know, I just think about times in my life where, where things were really hard and, um, I didn't give as much as I received from my friends and, um, and I then I felt shame or guilt about that and when I feel my personality is when I feel shame or guilt I withdraw even more um and then it's a few years later and you're like wow what happened with that friendship is because I never communicated so then I felt guilty so then I withdrew and so I think I think all of that could have been staved off with like you know things are really hard right now and that causes vulnerability which another part of my personality is is I don't like to be vulnerable but like to like say hey this hard thing's going on right now and I love you and I I, I so appreciate everything you're doing for me. I want you to know that I um, I can't give as much right now, but I I, I so um, appreciate everything you do. And then like later, like see that and like, you know, move back towards them again instead of like feeling guilty and continue to remove yourself and remove yourself. But all of that could have been like remedied if you, we would just be open and honest about what's going on in our lives.
2: Yeah, yeah. and we really can't friend like Jesus. We can't reflect his friendship without transparency, it, it's just not possible. I mean, it is the core of what he says, which is, you know, I share with you secrets that my father's given me, things I tell you, I don't tell anybody else. There's a trust factor there, um, There, there's this great quote, I think it's, um, oh golly, I'll, I'll just be lying now. The bottom line, it says, trusting is hard, trust anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Of course it's hard, of course it's hard, do it anyway. There's no way to uh, test whether somebody is trustworthy until you trust them. Are you going to get hurt sometimes? Will you get burned? Sure you will. But if you have a right understanding of who you are in Christ, your value, uh, you're going to weather that storm. It's going to be okay. Uh, There is no other way to do it. Jesus was hurt. Think about how he trusted Judas. Mm -hmm. Think about There's such a great friend lesson there. Um, It didn't end well, but that's okay because Jesus still shows us what to do. He was transparent with Judas too. And he knew the heart of Judas. He knew his heart, yet he trusted him anyway. He gave him the opportunity. And we don't get that insight. We don't know a heart until yeah. we trust. Mm-hmm. Um, he included him in. Even at the Last Supper, he washed his feet, yeah. knowing even the moment. He was going to be excused from the table to go and betray him, but that's what friends do. They're willing to be vulnerable. Um, There is a when when Jesus says, "Look, here's one way you know I'm your friend is that I'm willing to lay aside my life for you, lay down my life for you." Well, he actually did that on the cross. He laid down his physical life in death. But the translation of that word can mean to forfeit, as Jesus did, but it can also mean to lay aside my life. In other words, my top priorities are not the biggest issue. I'm gonna lay aside my self-interest for your interest. And that is the definition of a friend that friends like Jesus. I hope we never have to give our lives for our friends, but I don't know, the harder thing may be for us, flawed humans laying aside our Mm self-interests for the interest of our friend. Um, Jesus did that with all of his friends. And even the failed relationship, I think, is instructive for us because we're so scared to be hurt. You know, we just yeah. if, if we just don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be hurt. There are worse things in life than that. There yeah. are. And it really does. It says in God's word that when we suffer, we actually share in the suffering of Christ. And what better way, to uh, if you're going to have to suffer, which is part of our experience, it, it lets us in on this communion we have with Christ. Better to suffer behaving like Christ than to suffer because of our own choices uh, yeah. that were errant. So... Anyway, I, I, it's just there is no way to sugarcoat the fact that if you're going to be in relationships with people, you're going to be hurt. Yeah. Yeah. You, sure. you just you need to know that that sometimes it's not going to go well. Even if you try to do things in this pattern, uh, you're going to be hurt. Your friends are going to disappoint you. But hello, newsflash breaking alert. You're going to disappoint and hurt your friends. Yeah. So practice giving the grace that you want to demonstrate for them that you hope will come back yeah. when you fail, because you're going to fail. I fail. Um, right after this book came out, uh, I got two texts the following week. One from a friend who was so kind, uh, who just said, I just want you to know, here are all the ways that your friendship changed my life. Things I didn't even remember. They were just little things to be with her and be present in struggle and suffer, uh, to meet a need where there wasn't anybody meeting the need. And we weren't even that close of friends. We're just friends. Wow. I'm going to tell you, pat myself on the back, wear a halo, feeling good about myself, right? <laughs> the same week, <laughs> I get a text from a friend that I've been friends with for 30 years. And she said, I just think I need to tell you that I have been holding bitterness against you for years for something that you did. And I've never told you. And I I realize now that I need to tell you that this is between us. Ouch. Yeah. And in that moment of knowing I hurt and disappointed somebody I care about, I had a choice. Get defensive, withdraw and ignore it, or confront it and own it. And thankfully, I had read my own book. (laughs) (laughs) I had that encouragement in my head that, you know, extend the grace you hope will come back to you. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to reach out to her and say, I'm so thankful you told me. Please share with me what I did. I really, really want to know it breaks my heart that I hurt you. And she did. And I needed to own it. It's something I did carelessly that I never even gave another thought to. And and it caused hurt. And that hurt, uncommunicated, just became a bitterness. Yeah. So that every time I saw her for years, this thing was between us and I didn't even know it. So, you know, I think you just prepare yourself. Uh, and then in humility, Protect, love, hope, persevere. Yeah, our friendship endured because both of us were willing to persevere. That's, that's such a good word from
1: real life. Yeah, that's yeah. so good, Kim. Thank you so much. How can our listeners find you? Well, I hope they will find me. So there's several ways.
2: Um, you can go to kimweir.com, which is kind of a, the all-encompassing, and it's it's I before E except after C. I'm one of those weird. <laughs> I am wier uh, <laughs> dot com. Um, And there, there's both a link to um, the radio show. You could listen to live at org on Sunday nights. There's a link to the archives. Um, Going to have a new podcast called The Art of Friendship out soon. So you'll be able to catch that there. Um, there's also a link to a website called hopeondemand.com, which is incredible. I have a daily devotional every day through the Bible. And you can subscribe and the short you know, 300 word devotional with scriptures to read for the day. So to help you encourage you to be in the Bible every day, we'll come to your email. So I hope you'll do that. Um, And then, you know, I love to speak at women's groups and encourage and cheer you on as you cheer me on. It's kind of a mutual cheering. Uh, so you can check that out and, and find out more about that too at kimweir.com. So thank you. Anyway, we'll have all that in our
0: show notes.
1: Yeah, so, we'll link all that in our show notes and a link to the book and all of that. Thank you so much, Kim, for coming on and sharing your wisdom and um, your godly insights on friendships. Thank you. We really I appreciate it. I am a co
2: learner with you along the way. And if you're really appreciative, send me some brownies. Just- <laughs>
0: you got it we'll do it okay bye guys bye so till next week we are on instagram at woven and him we are on facebook and patreon forward slash woven and him you can also email us fully at gmail.com and i'm rebecca pete like the coffee brand and you can find me at rebecca
1: where you can also find all my social handles
0: yep and uh, i don't want to be found so just find me on the facebook for our uh podcast and the instagram but not my personal bye bye <laughs>